Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Awesome. Well, if you've got your Bibles, open with me to 1 Corinthians 13. And you could put a marker (laughs) in Hebrews 5. And uh, I'm excited to preach the word today. I want to encourage you, sign up for that life course um, through the app. Be a part of that. Don't miss out on that. And um, those life courses, by the way, are another way that we as a church want to equip you. We want to give you the equipping to live the life God's called you to live. And, um, and I'm excited about that as well. All right, 1 Corinthians Chapter 13 and verse 10 says, But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I have been fully known. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 13 tells a similar story to 1 Corinthians 13, talking about people growing up in the faith. It says, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the work of the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained, look at this, by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I want to preach a message today. This is the title, Flying the Instruments. Flying the Instruments. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you that it always does what you set it forth to accomplish, Lord, in our lives. So, Father, we thank you for the word today. May you open it up. May you reveal more. May you do more. May you show us things today, Lord, through your word. We thank you for its authority. Father, we thank you that it has the final say. Lord, we look to it as the highest place in our life for teaching, for preaching, for correcting, for rebuking, for training in righteousness. God, I thank you that that is your word. Thank you that, Lord, we are well supplied through your word today. And Father, I thank you that colonial kids are experiencing that same truth, Lord, that they're learning from your word today. They're learning about you through your word. And Father, we thank you that they're having a great time in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week seemed like a big week in the life of our church. If you weren't here, you missed over 70 people being water baptized in our church after the third service. And what was just as amazing to me and really stirred up my faith was to see the well over 300 people pack into the warehouse last weekend, despite the, the crazy weather we had that day coming in and celebrating and encouraging and supporting and really blessing this incredible moment in so many people's lives. What happened? What happened was, is there was a passing through that happened in many people's lives. Past the threshold of obedience called water baptism. 
there was a moment in people's lives where they stepped into a new place. And if you, se- if, if you like, there was a sense of there's no going back for all of those people, that something was truly changing for them. It was a big step, of, uh, step forward in the life of faith for many of those people. And maturity lies ahead. And I thought today, what I wanted to do through this message, and I felt like the burden was to continue to speak to those 71 people. But in the same way, also speak to the rest of us. Because I believe that this message today has the power to unlock things in you, whether you've been a believer for, for, for five weeks or for 50 years, that God has something for you today. For many of these people, maturity lies ahead. For many people that are here today, spiritual maturity still lies ahead. I believe it lies ahead for all of us, no matter where we're at in the journey. But it made me think. I wonder what the apostles would have said last weekend. Standing there in the warehouse and just watching everything take place, the many people just there, over 300 people watching what was taking place, clapping and cheering as every single person went through the water. And then I was seeing all the people walk through the water and then come down the steps and you're in the middle of praying for the, for the fact that no one would slip over and hurt themselves because there was water everywhere. But I just, it, it just was a picture to me I was, and, I, and it dawned on me this week, I wonder what the apostles would have said if they were there right now. And right there in that moment, I wonder what they would have said to every single one of those people. I just thought that way, and I think that way sometimes. I wonder what the Apostle Paul would have said. I wonder what um, John the Apostle would have said. I wonder what James would have said. And then I thought, I wonder what Peter would have said. And then I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, you know what Peter would have said. Because he said it. And many of the Apostles did, and wrote letters to new Christians and new believers. And so here in 1 Peter 1, we see this example right here where Peter is speaking to a young, believing group of people, dispersed Jews in the known world that had gone out and in a sense were in exile away from Jerusalem, but were living in the faith, part of the Christian faith at that time. And he's encouraging them in this way. And so he says this in 1 Peter 1 and verse 22. He talks about this very process, this very thing that's happened. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. I want to stop by saying that. I believe right here he's talking about these first initial steps, these initial thresholds that that, that they've stepped over. He says, your obedience to the truth. For a sincere brotherly love, i.e. coming into the family, being part of the brotherhood of believers, being part of the family of God. He says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away. He says, put away, young Christians, new believers. He says, put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. And he adds this in the end. He says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, there's a truth in the Christian life of being born again. We see it in John chapter 3, 
Peter refers to it here again. He, ca- he calls it being born again to a living hope. And, and there's this sense of we're born again. That's the reality of what's taken place in the spirit realm, in the spirit man. You've been born again. But then there's also this sense that then from that point, then you grow up. You continue on into maturity. You continue on growing up in this brand new family and in this way. It makes me think of, you know, my own home growing up as as a family, what my mother would have done if I just came through the threshold of the front door and then just stood there. If I just stood inside the front door, my mom would have probably eventually come to me and be like, what are you doing? Get on, go on, get out of here, move on into the house. And in the same way, I believe the apostles would have said to all of us, go on, continue on. But here's the catch. And this is for all of us today because it reigns supreme in a culture like ours. If you've got a pen, write this down. Comfort is the enemy of a healthy spiritual life. I've got to tell you this today. This is the truth today that comfort is the enemy of a dynamic, faith-filled, growing, and healthy spiritual life. If you desire to have that, can I encourage you? You're going to have to do something about comfort. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy the benefits of the Lord. You shouldn't enjoy the fact that God has given you certain things and he's bestowed a blessing upon you. I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy the fact that there's a sense to you know this church when you come in here and you are in community, there's some comfort that comes with that. But don't let comfort reign supreme. Because comfort is the enemy of a healthy spiritual life. If you get comfortable, you won't grow. So then how do we get on? How do we continue on? How do we pursue this spiritual maturity that's available to us? Well, what we do is we follow the sound pattern that we see that's been prescribed in God's word for centuries. See, this isn't something that we just came up with in the last few years. Amen. This is something, this is a well-worn path in the Christian faith. And it's incredible when you see it from that perspective that God has given us these these things that we can step into. And so I've called this uh, message Flying the Instruments because I believe God gave me a picture of this recently that it's like a pilot in a plane. Um, He can spend all his time looking out the windows, but what he should be doing is just looking at the instruments and flying the instruments correctly. I've become familiar with this term. I've been reading about it. I've been studying a little bit about how pilots learn and train and had a couple of conversations with A few pilots that I know, one of them is in our church and is a flight instructor and he shared with me about these instruments and he said that really a pilot is someone that should really appreciate the life of faith because a pilot is trained to not look outside the window and try to determine what he should do. He's actually, he or she are called to just fly the instruments that are given to them. And a pilot will use these instruments to ensure there's a correct reading at all times that despite the weather, the, the, the stuff that's happening, that these instruments, if they'll just fly the instruments, they can successfully complete the flight. Now, I've been on hundreds of planes, caught many, many flights in my life. And this just started to dawn on me. I was like, man, it really does work out great every time. <laughs> I mean, I know there's a guy up there. But there's training that's taken place that caused people 
cause these pilots to do what they do. And to me, this is like the Christian life. There are just some instruments that if we pay attention to them, if we make sure they're reading correctly, if they're, if they're doing what they should be doing, if we're flying the instruments, then we'll be okay. And the apostles have prescribed these instruments. In the early church, we see them over and over again. It was actually interesting um, talking to, to Tom, who is a flight instructor, who was sort of sh- talking to me about this. He said, there's actually one of these instruments, it's called an attitude indicator. <laughs> and before you try to correct me, it's not altitude indicator. I, I'm, I'm studied now. It's an attitude indicator. It's one of the instruments that's on the panel. And he was saying it's actually kind of interesting because this particular indicator will help a pilot understand if there's been any deviation from, from where they sit and how they're orientated to the ground and to the horizon. And even just a slight adjustment in pitch or rise or, or one way or the other, and they will tell them straight away that they're off. Because many times it, it can happen where the pilot can get disorientated, can, can not know where they are in the air and whatnot, but if they'll just fly that instrument, they'll be true to where they're supposed to be. Isn't this true in the Christian life? If we'll just stick to the things that God has prescribed. Heard another pastor say that basic things are the main things and the main things are the basic things. And we just got to fly the instruments. So today I want to talk to the 71, but also want to talk to the rest of us about flying the instruments of faith. And this is, I believe, the reason that we have them. Because it conveys a very important message for every individual, which is this. You're not that good on your own. I know that's maybe hard to hear for some of you. I know it was for me in the early years of my faith. Thought I knew everything. Thought I could figure it out. But the reality is you need these instruments and the precision that they bring into your life. So that you can get to where you're called to go. So here are some of the instruments. And if you were, uh, for those of you who are baptized last weekend, I want to encourage you to grab a hold of these, to, to try to set them down in your life and to, if you like, make them your dashboard as you continue on. But for the rest of us, let's pay attention and make sure we're not getting too comfortable as well. So instrument number one is reading. Reading. The Bible is food for our spiritual life. Now, could you imagine if you, in your house, if you only ate once a week? And for the rest of the week, you didn't eat at all. And there's perfectly good food in the pantry that my kids know very well about that. But for the rest of the week, I didn't go and I didn't eat. I just ate once a week. What would happen to me? I know what would happen to me. I would die. I would not make it. But think about this. The the, the Bible and when we read the Bible, it's like carb loading for the spirit man. Jesus said in uh, Luke 11 verse 28, he says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Romans 10 and verse 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. The Bible says, Blessed are those who hear the word and obey the word. Now, let me ask you a question. 
What if you never get a chance to obey? You're not even on the field of faith. This is why hearing the Word of God, receiving the Word, reading your Bible is so important for your life. You need to read your Bible. Allow it to get inside of you. See, it's not just showing up to church, which by the way is good, but that can't be enough. There has to be more. Imagine if you only ate in your house once a week. You would get malnourished. You would, get, you, you would begin to starve. You would literally start to malfunction and you wouldn't make it. When you come to church, church is, is like coming into the house and there's a table and we come to the table and we eat the food. But can I just encourage you, when you go home, you need to eat again. You need to wake up tomorrow morning and you need to have some breakfast. Some of you know you need to have breakfast first thing tomorrow morning because by the time you hit the office at 9.30, if you haven't had breakfast, you're hangry. And then when you get home that afternoon, you need to eat again. And then before you go to bed, maybe you need a little snack. I'm going to say something that I pray never leaves you. Read your Bible. Please, I'm begging you, read it verse by verse. It will change your life. Because the thing about our Bibles is that it's it's alive. It's living. It's breathing. It changes your life from the inside out. We have these Bibles in the storehouse. So if this is stirring you up today and you're like, I don't have a Bible, I need a Bible, I've, I've, I've never taken this really seriously and I'm going to do that today. That's why we have the storehouse and we have these Bibles in the storehouse and I want you to go get one. And if you don't have the ability to buy this Bible today, let us know. We will figure out a way to get this Bible in your hands. We begin every single Sunday over here to this table on my left with a stack of Bibles and it's the faith goal of the whole staff and our whole team that all those Bibles will be gone by the end of the, end of the services today. Because we know the power of the Word of God in a person's life. There was a study that was done years ago. I've referred to it many times. It was by the Center of Biblical Engagement. And, um, and they, they produced a study, a very good study, with many different respondents. And they looked at the effect of the Bible and Bible reading specifically on a person's life. That they wanted to find out what would happen if someone read the Bible consistently every day over a period of time, what would actually take place in their life, what things would change. Because you could come in as a new Christian and be like, what is it? I mean, seriously, I just read some pages on a book every day and you're just telling me my life will change? Yes. And what this study found, it's now called the Power of Four study, and I've referred to it before, but what it showed was that that there was um, a change in people's lives at a point. So the first day of the week, if you, if you get the Word of God, on one day a week, nothing's going to change. Two days a week, nothing will change. Three days a week, still not really a lot of change. Then at the fourth day, many things changed. Many things changed. Addictions no longer had the power that they used to have. People's struggles with anxiety all of a sudden started to lift off people. Um, people's struggles with alcohol abuse or pornography um, all of a sudden started to dissipate. Now, what changed? Three to four, what's the difference? It's now the majority of your week. It's now become bigger than the rest of your life. 
I'm just telling you, read the word and watch your life change. Amen. So that's instrument number one, reading. Number two, praying. This is instrument number two on the dashboard. Again, like reading, this is something that we're called to do. This is something that the Apostle, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul and all the apostles told the church to do, reminded them that this was important, that the instrument of prayer is just simply this, talking to God. We've done series on prayer before, and I've just tried to, to, to bring it down to a level that we can understand. It's just having a conversation. It's just having a dialogue with God. Jesus told us how to pray. He told us literally what to say, and he also told us that we should pray often. And you're, maybe you're in here today and you're like, how, how often should I pray? You should pray every single day. And how often should I pray every single day? Well, this is what I've come to realize as I've studied the text, is that um, when Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, he says, pray without, he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. What he's saying is don't stop praying. He says, if anything, if you study, he said, you should pray all the time and depart momentarily to attend to your life. And this is my personal conviction is if we knew the power of prayer, we would not stop praying. That's why he wrote that. But there's this sense with prayer that it should just be a continuous dialogue. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you're going, however many, many meetings you have that day, just don't stop praying. Keep talking to God. But you've got to make an appointment. Every day, people call this a quiet time. I don't care what you call it, but just show up and talk to God. You've got things that are going on in your life you're struggling with. Can I just encourage you? Sit down with dad and tell him about your life. Share what's going on. Begin with thanksgiving. But then make your requests known to God because he loves you and he cares for you. And what happens when you pray? You might be wondering that. How often should I pray? And what's actually going to happen to me? This is what happens. God places peace on you. And he begins to fill you with a peace that you can't understand. And all of a sudden, your problems begin to look different. Because that peace that he's given you now guides you as you go forth in your life and, and you get this sense that he's working in you and your situation will change because you see it differently now. So let me ask you, how's the instrument of prayer looking right now on your flight called life? Number one, reading. Number two, praying. Number three, living. Colossians 1 and verse 9 says, Now we have stopped, not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. So again, this is Apostle Paul talking to new believers, the church. He says, we ask, you, uh, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and pre please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. The way you live matters. And I've, I don't know how it's happened, but the enemy has somehow convinced young people that, that, that you, can, you can claim Christianity but still live the way you want to live. That's not true. That's a lie. The way you live matters. And no one in here today is saying you've got to have it all together. No one in here has it all together. But we're called to live in a certain way. But I love the Apostle Paul. He unpacks this. He says, the way you live matters. Um, he says, as you've received from the Lord wisdom and understanding, through the instruction that comes from the word, you'll be able to live in a way that honors him. Sounds to me like we just need to fly the instruments. Yeah. Yeah. 
And we'll be able to live in a way that pleases and honors God. Because you might be in and be like, man, I don't know how to do this. It's hard to live in a way that pleases God. Fly the instruments. Pick up your Bible. Go to Him in prayer. Living is about showing up. Attending. I love this because this is the rubber hitting the road. For us in the life of faith, for those that have been baptized just last weekend, there's a point at which it's just you living the life that you now say that you have in Christ Jesus. That, that you can step forward into what God has for you and you begin to live. That means you need to step out into your job. You need to step out and live your life with your family and you're now a Christian and now you're different. I remember going through all of this and being like, man, this is hard. Some of this necessarily doesn't feel great, but something has changed. See, living is what we're called to do. It would be one thing if we got saved and then, whoop, off you go. Up to heaven. <laughs> Click your ticket. But God doesn't work that way. We begin to walk it out with Him. We begin to do this thing called living and living with Him. Paul says, We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will. And to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. Fly the instruments. As the rubber hits the road, as the boat leaves the dock, as the plane flies in the air, your life of faith needs to be lived. So as you claim one thing, you live it out as well. And God shows up. Some of the ways we need to, this is, there's a lot in living, but I'll just say one thing. Show up. Show up for the prayer meetings. Show up for the worship night. Show up to whatever midweek ministry applies to the season of life you're in. Just show up. There'll never be a time in our church where anyone will say to you, you know what, I've seen you around here a little bit too much. <laughs> And listen to me, as a pastor of our church, if anyone ever says that to you, you let me know. Because there's no such thing as you showing up too much. I remember when I first got saved, I'd show up to Connect Group on a Tuesday night. I'd go to something that was happening at church, a prayer meeting or a worship night or a worshiping... Cre they had worshiping creative nights on a Wednesday night. I am not worshiping creative. But I went. Thursday night, there'd be something else. Friday night, there'd be young adults ministry and youth going on. Saturday night, there'd be Saturday night services and then I'd be there all day Sunday. It's living. Show up. You're welcome to be here as much as you can be here. We're never going to be the type of church that points the finger and says, you've got to be here this much. But just show up as often as you can, as much as you can shift your schedule and be here and be a part of the life in community with the body of believers. See, this is where, you know, new believers tend to wrap, run laps around believers for a long time. Because I love new believers. It's like they share their faith with anyone. They show up to everything that's happening at church, even if it doesn't apply to them. They're just all about it because they don't know any different. And I pray we'd have that kind of faith even to this day. 
I love it. They hear you're supposed to tithe, so they do. They heard that there's a group that you can join, so they join it. There's a team you can serve on, so they serve. It's called living it out. The instrument of living with reading and prayer. Number four is believing. Believing. What would the early apostles say to you as you step out of that, that water baptism? They'd say long before Journey ever wrote the song. They'd tell you, don't stop believing. You know, faith is so complex. So complex, but it's also so simple. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, but the conviction of things not seen. What are you convinced of? What are you so sure of? Let's go back to what Peter said. He said, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's be a people committed to just flying the instruments of faith, committed to the things of God. Why? Not because we're trying to be clever or trying to upskill in a way so we can be whatever. No, because we've tasted that the Lord is good. That's our conviction in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Come on, let's just worship right now. apostles say right now they'd say this I believe God loves you they'd never want you to forget it that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus into this world to do two things live a life you could never live but to pay a price you could never pay and we stand here today in the aftermath of that grace that's why we sing these songs that's why we worship like we do 
It's because we just cannot believe how good God is. And I want to invite you today, if you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, can I just encourage you that you're not here by accident. It's not a mistake that you showed up today. See, God's got his own set of instruments. And his precision is like you have never seen. He meant for you to be here. He's ordered your days, your steps. He knows the hair, the number of hairs on your head. And your name, I believe, is written in his book, like the word says. So with every head bowed, eyes closed, friend, if you're in here today and you've never seen it. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it? We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.